The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from the other side of midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary... Based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. With clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. Welcome. Welcome to the other side of the news. Tonight we have a very special guest. The show tonight is called Holy Shit. Co-hosting are Timothy Saunders, Annette Driscoll, and myself, Kinthea. Our guest tonight is a specialist on the Vatican. He's a praised top expert of the Vatican, secret societies, Satanism, and the New World Order. Leo Zagami continues his fight against the occult elite. His Illuminati Confession series is a masterpiece of revelation supported by documentation. Tonight, Zagami digs deep into the occult roots of the Great Reset. With the help of well-researched historic evidence and inside documentation from the lodges of German, Swiss, and Austrian Freemasonry, and the infamous Bavarian Illuminati, Zagami proves that there is a hidden agenda far beyond the narrative trumpeted by the mainstream media. Welcome to the other side of the news, Leo. So great to have you with us. Thank you for having me on, and I hope it will be a very interesting conversations for a conversation that we can have for all our audience. I tell you, I'm sure it will be. I have to tell you, I was looking at your Italian YouTube channel, and I was enthralled. <laughs> you are uh, very talented. And this book series that you've done, you have deeply gone into it with uh, so much dedication. And I'm curious about the journey, how you got into this, and... Uh, just a little background before we go deep into your new book. Would you yes. like to share with us? Yeah, well, I went from a family background that helped me grow up in an unusual background. And then uh, gradually, I, of course, joined because of uh, this uh, family upbringing certain realities. And those realities are well described in my Illuminati Confessions, in which I have uh, both a biographical touch, but also I try to uh, explain things uh, uh, like an academic in a way that is perceived as serious because, uh, of course, I 
try to pick up from credible sources and well and of course credible sources that can never be debunked that's why my books uh, at the moment have never been debunked and i publish many of them because i try to stick to the facts the facts are already uh, quite uh, astonishing and uh, i discovered that from a very young age uh, my father was a jungian psychi- uh, psychiatrist and uh, my grandfather was a, a Sicilian politician, married into an aristocratic family in Sicily. Then, uh, of course, from my mother's side, the link to the family of the Queen Mother. And uh, this, uh, like I said uh, right at the beginning, it was a privilege, but at the same time also a burden that manifested in the end in me choosing to... Uh, side with the people and not with the privileged, with the elite. In 2006, I made this decision and I never really went back on it. I simply uh, started with a uh, blog, a blog that brought my own experiences uh, with documents, uh, with photos. Uh, so it was uh, at that point very difficult for my critics to say, I wasn't a Freemason, I wasn't into the Illuminati, I wasn't uh, an expert in the Vatican because all these photos uh, and these documents prove all that. But then, of course, uh, I was uh, uh, living initially in Norway and this got me in trouble. They came and threatened me and uh, they uh, said that they would be accusing me of espionage if I continued which they did uh, eventually, and at that time I was uh, married with my first wife in Norway and I ended up in jail for espionage. So uh, mm. that was also a bit of a, <laughs> a difficult moment. But then uh, later on in 2009, I met with my current wife, who is American, and we uh, decided to go to Japan, where she uh, knew very well the scene over there, and uh, thanks to uh, her connections and also my own connections in Japan. I uh, linked with Benjamin Fulford uh, and with him I started to write my first books, though I later on came to regret it because I don't see him as uh, any longer a credible character because he has his own agenda. You see, he's a journalist. I'm also uh, a journalist. I started in uh, the radio very early and I developed both my passion for music and for journalism. As my grandfather was before becoming a politician, also a journalist. So I uh, preferred to take on that passion in the family rather than my father's, who was uh, instead a psychiatrist. But uh, of course, he was also an expert. In, in, in many uh, of, of the things that I learned then at a very young age, thanks to a library which was incredible, uh, with alchemy, magic, uh, all kinds of things. It was an immense uh, library, family library, that helped me very much grow up and learn about certain things, even books that I wasn't really supposed to open. <laughs> so, oh. and, 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 and then, in fact, this is actually described in this book, Invisible Master, how I came into contact with these forces and how they influence on mankind and uh, on every secret society. There is uh, an influence from uh, a realm which we are not... Uh, able to describe within this materialistic one. Uh, And then, of course, uh, I uh, went on uh, to um, 
to become uh, a member of the Air Force in Italy uh, and of the Ministry of Defense. From then I was recruited in uh, what was the last uh, part, the last phase, let's say, of Operation Gladio. And then later on, I got initiated into Freemasonry by Prince Alia di Montreal in 1993. I then went to London when things got a little bit difficult for me in Italy. I had to actually flee uh, the country. And at that point, I uh, decided to go to London. And in London, of course, I uh, regularized my Masonic standing, and then later on I also got initiated in the Ordo Templi Orientis and many other secret societies of what we describe as the Illuminati order. Is a, in reality, the name Illuminati was only used until the 1780s. Then they were exposed with that name, so they didn't really use it. Again, there were certain attempts, which I described in my first book made by uh, some people like Theodor Royce and Leopold Engel to revive in Dresda the Order of the Illuminati, but it was never really revived with that name until 1999 when in, uh, in Monaco, in the Principality of Monaco, in the Monte Carlo Lodge, I uh, created this Ordo Illuminatorum Universalis. And then later on in 2002, the Academy of the Illuminati, also in Rome, was opened by Giuliano Di Bernardo. But like I said, I made a decision in 2006, and that decision that I never came to regret was to abandon the, uh, the, the makers, the controllers of this new world order, and to uh, really try to expose what they're doing because it's a very dangerous thing that could dehumanize all of us and put us in the hands of the devil. Then you might not believe in that, but you must admit that our society is going towards a dehumanization, towards uh, taking away that soulful element that we have to rebrand it then into the transhumanist era that will be taken over by the artificial intelligence. Now, I uh, came to realize all these things at a very uh, early age because, uh, of course, I was involved with these people uh, since the early 90s. I really uh, dealt in uh, even special operations with these people that were quite risky. But then in the end, I realized, like I said, in 2006, and it was really uh, at the eve of, uh, of, of the birth of my, of my son, that I realized that I had to change all this reality. And so uh, the, the, the work that I conducted later on, since 2009, when I started to write, was to publish books, because books, like the latest one I just published, Volume 7, which is uh, from the occult roots of the Great Reset to the populist roots of the Great Reject. These are books that are not only well-researched, but are they're, they're also the fruit of years and years of research and also of access into um, the libraries, the archives of uh, realities that don't really open themselves very easily. And so I have to in a way, at times, I use the techniques of, you know, of a kind of secret agent in disguise to gain some of this material. But at the same time, I was part of this reality until 2006. Later on, 
I um, reawakened the Ordo Illuminatorum Universalis, which was my own order, even if it was guested within the Monte Carlo Lodge in Italy, to try to see if I could still salvage a little bit of Freemasonry uh, and put it on the right course. It was almost an impossible mission, and in fact, I didn't really have a great success. These days, uh, we can say that uh, the prevalent current in Freemasonry is dictated by uh, what we call the Grand Orient of France, and uh, they have uh, managed to even influence uh, what is not uh, connected to them by tradition, because they broke from regular Freemasonry uh, in the 1870s, and then they uh, started the path towards also atheists, I mean, they of course opened to atheists uh, their lodges and they started to promote that hideous uh, ideology, which is communism. Communism arrived thanks to the Grand Orient of France and then the Grand Orient of the Russian people and uh, Vladimir Lenin into Russia. So um, I, of course, have a comprehension of world history, which is unusual. I went on uh, being very successful in my career as a, a record producer, DJ, and uh, I even had the opportunity to play in uh, the Bolshoi in, in Russia, but also in Switzerland, in London, and many other countries, in castles, in wonderful places where the elite gathers. And uh, I also was capable, though, of participating into some serious affairs, apart from my uh, entertainment side. I was also, of course, uh, mentored by a great journalist in Italy called Dino D'Arcangelo. And so I also um, started to study journalism in a serious way because I thought maybe that will uh, uh, turn useful one day. And actually, it turned useful when. I went on a collision course with these Illuminati who I was involved with before because what was happening in Monte Carlo in the Principality of Monaco in 2006 led for me my initiatives that brought me all the way to then have to abandon Italy in 2019 and relocate here in Palm Springs, California because of the persecution also from the Vatican. You see all these secret societies, of course, uh, the P2 Monte Carlo Lodge and many other groups I was involved with, they were always uh, also involved very closely with the Jesuits and with the Vatican. And so at one point in 2019, uh, um, we were almost forced to abandon Italy, otherwise I would be arrested, Again, I will be probably tortured again because they already did that. They uh, broke through my door in in 2014 and they uh, threatened me and they locked me up for two weeks uh, uh, doing terrible things to me. I mean, torture is a terrible thing and unfortunately I, uh, I suffered it. So very glad to have abandoned Italy and Europe because it was very dangerous for me and now uh, capable of uh, working here and writing these great books without really also the fear of getting censored for for what I write and getting persecuted because still, at least up till 2022, the United States of America has uh, 
uh, a great constitution that guarantees for people like me to be able to to make this book and uh, this book in particular which i've been writing uh, and, and putting together for the last two years and now it's uh, it's, it's it's been uh, in the shelves of many people because they, they actually like this book they compliment this book very much uh, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of journalists colleagues of mine and the people who like really to be well informed about what is really going on behind the scene in this book that was published in February, entered the intelligence, uh, you know, the chart where you find the books, uh, like from Snowden or other people, you will find also my book in the first, uh, in the top 20. And, uh, and so also in regards to geopolitical matters, but also in regards to an esoteric view of what is really going on today and uh, who is really Klaus Schwab? What is this uh, great reset all about? I mean, so, uh, so Leo, <laughs> that was an amazing amount of information. And before we go further, I just really want to acknowledge the courage on your part to break away from your your you know your long tradition, long family tradition, and having been on the inside. You are the only Vatican expert that I know of and but you the depth of your material is amazing and the courage that you've shown to to strike out a new path on behalf of humanity and I really thank you for that and I'm curious you mentioned that you did try to reform Freemasonry and uh it was like it was already too infiltrated by these bad actors? Yeah, uh, that really at the end was my realization. It's just uh, like we were trying really hard and uh, we actually uh, managed to uh, really move uh, grandmasters and people who were really important, uh, had the support uh, of uh, General Bartolomeo Savoyo for uh, uh, for a while, which is also a very important Masonic figure in, in Europe that took over from Lisha Jelly. But my idea really is that at the moment, uh, the, the, the whole of the institution has been taken over by those forces, which gradually in 200 years from, uh, let's say, even from, from the moment, actually, uh, the, the, the Order of the Illuminati was founded, it became uh, in 1776 uh, a laboratory for that uh, hideous ideology which is communism. And in fact, this is what I write uh, in my latest book, uh, I make a comparison. The Order of the Illuminati might already have existed for, for, for thousands of years because it comes from the ancient mystery schools of Atlantis going through Egypt, uh, the Alexandrian Egypt, uh, Egyptian tradition and so on. But uh, today, uh, the, 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 the Illuminati is of course uh, not uh, the Illuminati of 230 years ago. At the time of Adam Weishaupt, we had, of course, the early stages in which we still had some humanity and some Christianity <laughs> embedded in them. It kind of like, um, it, it wasn't uh, still the Illuminati of today. And that's why in my books, I try to explain uh, how 
there was this uh, gradual transformation and how they were twisted and molded. But uh, the problem was mainly that Adam Weishstadt himself has given birth to this communist approach that was then uh, picked up by the League of the Just. A German professor opened this League of the Just in France. And at that point, uh, the, the, the League of the Just uh, saw, of course, the birth of uh, Karl Marx Manifesto and uh, communism was born in France. There was also the experiment of the Paris Commune and, and, and communism, of course, uh, was, was how was it created? I mean, it was uh, the, the Adam Bishop was not somebody who just comes out of nowhere. He was a professor in what used to be a Jesuit university. Uh, the Jesuits uh, experimented with communism already in their, in their reductions in South America. And that was one of the main reasons why the monarchies didn't want to have them anymore. And they were kicked out of the Vatican in 1771. And that's why they, the Illuminati themselves uh, were a tool uh, soon after the foundation of the Jesuits, even if the, some historians say, oh, no, no, that's not true. There is after the evidence which says otherwise, you just uh, go and see what Baron von Knig, who was uh, uh, Adam Bishop's basically uh, assistant in, in building up a disorder, who then walks out of it in 1784 and says, Adam Bishop is simply a Jesuit agent. So uh, then we have to go much more back in time, understand who these Jesuits are. And in my books, I try to define all these historical nuances, which are very complex. You see, when uh, we go on the internet, uh, we, we usually have very much a facilitated version of the Illuminati, which is really, um, uh, most of it is born out of myth and legend. It's not the reality of it. They I'm curious. Is equally as fascinating. It requires, though, diligent study and understanding because these people are called Illuminati. They're not uh, some idiots that uh, have some kind of common understanding, like the common folk in the street. It's right. very complex to understand their methodology, how they inf infiltrated Freemasonry in over two centuries and, and, and led it to where we are now. I'm curious why. why? History, you have the Grand Lodge of California. This is an article I just published today on my website, who, who gives uh, thousands and thousands of dollars to the Ukrainians while here in California, people are starving and there is homeless people at every corner. But the Grand Lodge of California thinks about Ukraine. So, I mean, here we're talking about, of course, uh, uh, politicization of Freemasonry that is no longer uh, uh, there is, of course, still some obediences here in, in the United States that are trying to preserve some credibility. But the problem is that embedded in their DNA, unfortunately, these days, there is uh, uh, this uh, weakness, which is uh, the weakness of having created a uh, institution in which uh, you are demanded to keep secrecy about what really goes on and about all the people you meet and about all the things that are interlinked. Even if Freemasonry in itself at times is not really that powerful, especially in the last few decades, it has lost a lot of power. I, I would say that actually in the last hundred years, because the Illuminati were capable of infiltrating Freemasonry and then leading to the birth of the think tanks. The think tanks, the think tanks, the modern think tanks are what uh, 
uh, what the Illuminati in a way wanted from, from the very beginning. And so you see, here we are uh, in front of, uh, of course, a very complex uh, situation. But in this book, I explain how, how Klaus Schwab, who is a German professor, is following exactly the same tradition that another German professor, who was Adam Weishaupt, uh, followed before him. I mean, it was Adam Weishaupt who said, uh, we will uh, basically own uh, nothing and be all happy because... Uh, huh plan of the Illuminati in the end wants to take all the private property and uh, transform it in a public thing. It was from the Illuminati, from Spartacus. There was even an organization named Spartacus in Germany that was at the basis of the uh, evolution of communism in, in mainland Europe. And, and, and of course, we know uh, the, the links that uh, Karl Marx had with the Freemasonry and so on. So Freemasonry gradually from being a fraternity that was initially filled up with Christian expectations and it was a way for Christians who had divided themselves through denominations to come in together and also people later on from 1813 of other religious denominations. Unfortunately, all this gave in gradually to the control of these occultists, and at the same time also of these people who have uh, maybe no knowledge of the occult, but are like, uh, they are simply interested in the money, in the power, in the control. And, and that is really what happened with Adam Bishop, who wasn't himself really so keen in promoting uh, occultism, even at that time when it was very popular. And one of his main members, uh, who was also a a relative of my family, Count uh, Giuseppe Balsamo, Count Cagliostro, he was an important uh, revolutionary in France because, uh, of course, uh, he was financed secretly by the Illuminati. He led almost to the French Revolution with his uh, scandal of the necklace, uh, which is still talked about. So Illuminati are a reality, but like I said, it's in the 1780s, they kind of got dismantled as Illuminati simply because their order was exposed because of an accident, uh, going on a, on a horse, was basically hit by uh, a founder, uh, and, and he ended up uh, on the ground, and all these documents were then found by the, uh, by the police, who then started to analyze this order and saw that they were not really like Freemasonry. There was something different from it. There was a peculiar way of being interested more into the materialistic and geopolitical and political affairs than, than just the esoteric side of like, most of the other orders of uh, that time. Because at that time, there was a lot of interest towards uh, the unknown and also what no. was inexplainable at the beginning and became explainable later like for example hypnosis hypnosis was uh, known as animal magnetism and it was frank was mesmer basically uh, who launched it and, and had founded even a secret society that will help the, the promotion of this new technique that will uh, help the purpose of hypnotizing people while they were maybe doing uh, some uh, operations and stuff so they didn't feel the pain. Now, 
<laughs> in hypnosis until much later on, until it was called hypnosis, and at that point it was officially accepted by the medical establishment because, uh, of course, the medical establishment had a lot of problems in accepting, for example, um, Count Cagliostro, who was himself using also uh, animal magnetism, as Mesmer used to call it, and he did it in a different way, though. He did it like the modern hypnotist rather than Mesmer, who was putting around all these uh, alchemical uh, objects that didn't really have uh, any real uh, function, but they were there to make the aesthetics of the whole thing. Uh, Leo, Leo, but, uh, I Leo, hope. <laughs> Leo. Uh, yes, yes. Can, can you hear? So. Yes. You mentioned one thing that I'm really curious about, and that is I don't understand the connection between communism and occultism. I mean, I oh, understand. It's very the, easy. It's very okay. easy. Yeah, I mean, like I said, um, communism is uh, it kind of like got uh, close to occultism at the moment in which it really manifested fully because at that point communism was basically anti-Christianity. And the people like Karl Marx were clearly inspired by Satan. I mean, they themselves, they, they, they had a very satanic kind of way of approaching things. So the, 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 the thing is that uh, we, we might not see a connection if we don't know uh, Karl Marx, for example, and what he said. But co communism in all its varied forms uh, expresses a really... Um, something that is as far as possible from God as you as you can, because God's creation is very orderly, and um, also it's a kingdom. It's a kingdom. It's a, we call it the animal kingdom. We don't call it the animal communism. <laughs> so like you can't compare an ant to a lion. I mean, so it's it's, it's ridiculous. But you see um, through. Uh, the occultists that were also involved in these secret societies comes the connection. Because at one point, to promote uh, socialism and to promote communism, it was actually from those secret societies that this, uh, this, this, uh, this input came through. Secret societies that kind of got more and more involved with also what was founded in 1875, that was the Theosophical Society. But the Theosophical Society ended up inspiring uh, rather uh, directly also national socialism with its, uh, with its symbol. That was a direct inspiration, shows you how the politics inspires directly. No? When it comes okay. instead uh, to, uh, to communism, we have the Sabatian Frankists to thank, the Sabatian Frankists who were connected in Frankfurt with, uh, with the Illuminati, and basically in Frankfurt, we have the birth of the, the Frankfurt School. I mean, today, if we have a bunch of idiotic, woke people around our society, it's because of the Frankfurt School. So, Leo, uh, yes. Leo oh, my apologies, but it's time for us to go to a very brief break, and we'll sure. come right back. Thank sure. you. A long time ago, there seems to have been an intervention, not creation, but an intervention of another species in the universe 
like us, and they have intervened in our affairs. They are not from here, but they are able to dominate the planet. They have come here, pushing themselves into our life, and our country, and our earth, and they have been able to dominate the planet. And so we look to them to lead us. The point being is that they are our leaders. They are far superior to us in intelligence, so they can act like they are our leaders, and we believe them. And therefore, we are accepting their way of life, and they have guided us through the, all the millenniums of. Of the time in which man has been on the earth, we've been led by them, and I believe that they are profoundly evil, but have been leading us, knowing that we do not understand what's going on, and they're getting ready to plan to use us, and so that's what our politicians are all about. That's what politics is all about. That's what science is all about. Our medicine. All of these people are not, as far as I'm concerned, are not human. They are extraterrestrial in origin. They are biological entities, but they are leading us. They are able to inculcate ideas and belief systems. Into the human race, and we just accept it without thinking about where they come from, and that's why we are in the trouble we're in today. Because now it's finally beginning to look like we've been planned, and this has been planned for a long time to put us into a position to become slaves to them, and we are slaves to our masters. There's no doubt about that. Hello, this is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to the other side of the news. Well, it's a pleasure to 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 listen to the voice of Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, welcome back to the show. Tonight's show is holy shit, and it's our hundred and seventh show. I had a lot of questions for you, Leo. This is Aneta, and I. But but you you've talked about something right before break about this Frankfurt School and the wokeism. I don't want to spend too much time because I have other questions, but I did want to kind of finish that thought there that you started. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, like I said, uh, Frankfurt uh, is very important for the Illuminati because a lot of things developed there. And we're talking about the place that was very dear also to the Rothschild family. Uh, and, and of course, uh, we all know how influential that family has been in world affairs. Now, for people who know a little bit about Judaism, uh, there is a, a group I talk about uh, in my books, read in volume four of my confessions. I talk about them, but I also uh, really want to pick up this important subject, which is Sabbatian Frankism which is an heresy within Judaism. And this heresy within Judaism is, of course, an anti-Christian, but also an anti-Judaic uh, heresy that uh, was born out of a guy called Sabbatai Zevi and then continued 100 years later with uh, his uh, disciple Jacob Frank, who claimed to be his reincarnation. 
and uh, the, 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 this, this uh, heresy within the Jewish tradition has then created some monstrosity also, uh, socially speaking. And like I wanted to explain uh, a moment ago regarding the Frankfurt School, uh, all this, of course, uh, goes together also with other important uh, um, figures that uh, we had in the past, like, for example, Cecil Rhodes, who was the guy who created the roundtable concept and who instigated really also the Rhodes Scholarship and the concept of think tank and who inspired himself from Adam Bishop. So as you can see, it's a continuous. Uh, there is a certain people who take it more on the awkward side, like Adam Bishop was uh, inspirational also for Alistair Crowley, but Alistair Crowley was more inclined to uh, exploit uh, certain elements uh, closely to occultism, closely to what, of course, became the basis for modern Satanism that was kind of creeping in from the Theosophical Society. So um, I've uh, exposed here in my book how we are really in front of a scenario that, of course, might seem geopolitical. It is geopolitical, like now the most recent crisis with the Taiwan, the, the crisis uh, that is still ongoing with Ukraine, they're all part of what the Christians uh, used to uh, call the end-time scenario that will appear, but not only for Christians, but for Jews, for Muslims, and for many other religions, even out of the sphere of monotheism, like the Hindu and the last phase of the Kali Yuga. So I think we're definitely living in a crucial moment of, uh, of, of our history, and so uh, the understanding that is all one thing. You know, you, you, you asked me a moment ago, uh, what is it with communism and, and occultism? Well, uh, well uh, let's ask uh, Beyonce, who came here in Coachella in 2018 uh, with a show based on ancient Egypt, in which she was promoting Black Lives Matter and all the other uh, woke uh, things that she wanted to promote. So it kind of goes hand in hand. On one side, she was promoting visibly something very occult, but then also something very political. So it's, it's like they go hand in hand and people really don't understand. Uh, communism is simply another word for Satanism. So that's it. Okay, great. Well, yeah, and I, <laughs> I have I could go into the whole Beyonce thing. I mean, she uh, she reenacted some some things that were going on in the heavens. I don't think we've got the time to go into all that, but uh, I know I that mean, the, I understand that what uh, you know they claim uh, the strong uh, black woman. I think that really what uh, what was. Uh, exposed from that particular event was the racism that is, is becoming obvious from black supremacists. Because yeah, that's, well, what her, what, that's what their husband is, Jay-Z. And he's connected yeah. to a group that is, believes in, white, in black supremacism. So black supremacism, uh, uh, supremacists are just as dangerous as white supremacists. Well, any supremacists, yeah. Um, so, well, it actually, it leads me to my next question because you mentioned at the very beginning how you had access to some books that you really weren't supposed to look at. I'm presuming maybe more esoteric books. Uh, and I know that all of the... There's, no, there's well, so I, 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 I was a member. My grandfather was a politician, a career politician, a senator in, in, in Italy. My, my father was an expert on, on of course, Jung psychiatry. It was very much... Uh, uh, connected to the study of certain branches of the occult. He was involved himself uh, in uh, 
the experiments that uh, MK Ultra was conducting all over Europe uh, in, the, in, in Paris. Uh, he, he was uh, involved in the, uh, the experiments for the Sandoz laboratory with LSD. These were uh, experiments that were conduced by psychiatrists. It wasn't a kind of conspiracy theory. This is a reality. So here we're talking about uh, books, uh, my books and my work and my research, which is always constantly um, the fruit of my own experiences, because I also was involved in lodges, uh, orders, and, and, and I saw what was about to happen, and I simply wanted to denounce all this. It wasn't probably the best choice I could make, I tell you. I mean, I could have had some much more easy choices and, uh, and, and, and <laughs> be probably a lot more rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, well, what I wanted to get into was, so we hear, I mean, for, for those of us that aren't, we aren't privy to any of this, is it true that you know all these esoteric books is there a lot of knowledge that we just don't know about in other words are there these these large accumulations of libraries and knowledge that the regular person doesn't have but the people in these kind of societies do have access to well it used to be like this because now with the internet of course things are changing changing and now we are in front of a society that could really have uh, all the knowledge they want at their fingertips. Of course, you can still have certain books that have not been digitally scanned and they are hidden in some basement or in some library. But uh, nowadays we can really access a lot of things. It's the problem now is that we don't have the, the keys to understand what is deposited in those uh, books. Because you see, one thing that the Illuminati did, uh, and, and this uh, is, is uh, teaching that uh, the people within the secret societies uh, understand uh, from the Western Asiatic tradition, is that uh, in the 17th, between the 17th and the 18th century, they deposited in a number of books, uh, in these hermetical books that have a lot of knowledge, which is still hidden if you don't have the ways to interpret it, because it was written up to the 19th century, they still did this kind of books that had many layers of interpretation and very difficult, but you needed really to be uh, somebody with, uh, with not common knowledge. I don't see that happening in today's world where the people who come out of these woke universities hardly know how to write. Mm, that's true, yeah. Well, it's all encoded. My understanding, it's all encoded many layers, right? Yes, many layers, and then the initiations usually were uh, kind of uh, uh, crafted in a way that they will open you up the understanding to further levels of the same book that you might be reading for 20 years, and then you understand level by level. So it's uh, uh, when we find ourselves in front, for example, of the Bible, the Bible is, 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 of course, a book with many levels and many layers of interpretation. And, uh, and and that is uh, really the, the problem today, that uh, at times uh, there is some people who just bring you the obvious interpretation without understanding the hidden ones. But uh, I am uh, positive that today, I'm sure there is also people, that, thanks to this technology that we're using right now, uh, can can really study whatever they want. <laughs> the problem right. is understanding it. and. Uh, understanding that these people nowadays, they are opening all this knowledge to us clearly that was hidden 
at the penalty of death, if you think about it, the Vatican, only for you opening a hidden book, uh, I mean, we know Umberto Eco made even a book and there was a film made in the name of the Rover. Yeah. I mean, if you only open a book three centuries ago that the Vatican didn't like you to open, you might get investigated by the Inquisition, arrested, interrogated, and, and God knows what. So yeah. uh, it wasn't like it is now. Nowadays, they don't care. They have made people demented with reality TV. They completely brainwashed us after the Second World War from the 50s till now, from rock and roll to the latest musical trend, from the first movie that was made over 100 years ago till now. Hollywood has been brainwashing us over and over and over again. That's why my next book, which I will probably be discussing with you at my next appearance, will be dedicated to all that. And it's a volume eight of my confessions, which will come out between September and October. Well, yeah, that's really interesting because, I mean, the education system, which is misnamed, I, I mean, I, I call it the indoctrination system, but part of it is is this uh, indoctrination in how not to think. Um, and and all of these things that you're saying, yeah, I, I think a lot of it's available, like through, um, for example, one of the services I use is Scribed. And Scribed has a lot of these uh, very difficult to find uh writings but again unless you can the, pro the problem is you see the secret societies knows know this very well yeah. when you for example theodore royce was rebuilding his illuminati was building the order temporary entities he created the concept that uh, it was obvious to everybody but uh, he kind of like branded it really very clearly the concept of building blocks by books every book is a building block on a specific Degree. Now, this is a concept that goes back, of course, the secret societies have used it, but he kind of like formalized it and made it known that it was that way. Um, and, and it kind of is very clear. If, if you don't know where to go, it's like the Internet. You, you, you open, it's like the, the books. I mean, there is thousands, millions of books. But where are you going to look? And that's why in this book, I... Uh, through a very careful, uh, and I mean, it takes me a lot of time to do that, have uh, made all the citations possible to, to view for uh, in a very clear way at the end of the book. So then the people who want to really go in depth in the research, and they have the credible sources that are cited by me, then they can go follow up the research and then make their own mind, write their own books, whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Give them at least the direction. I say this is important for the Illuminati. Focus on this. But the thing is, like, I've written all these books. You see here, I have just a few. I mean, it's like thousands of pages. But there is so much to write because here we're talking about thousands of years of knowledge. And, of course, the moment in which then uh, we want to save ourselves from what's going to happen in the next few years, then we need to focus at least on the, the knowledge that is uh, it's, it's going to be helpful to us in, in, in the immediate future. And of course, then we can deal 
uh, with a more profound knowledge uh, and a study that can be conducted in the universities like they're doing today. You see, the thing that the Illuminati have normalized in the last few years, and people don't know much about that, is also that the universities of, uh, of half of this planet are starting esoteric courses. Mm-hmm. So you see, back in the 80s, the only one at a worldwide level, my father, I told you, conducted the university's in, uh, experiments in Paris at the Sorbonne. But at the Sorbonne, there was also a professor, Anton Feb, who started this first place where you could go and study esoterism in an academic setting. And nowadays they are developing it because they themselves want to normalize it, brand it, and make it known to the academic world, which is something that it didn't happen if not in the closed lodges, in the secret study circles of sorts. So things are changing very much. And I'm not sure that they're changing for the betterment of mankind. I don't know about that. Yeah, right. I, I, I'm, I'm almost out of time. I want to ask one other question because it's something that I get asked all the time. Oh. You were talking about your, I believe it was your first book about the puppeteers, the puppets and the puppeteers. No, no, and, that's uh, not my first book. I mean, oh, I wrote oh, okay. others in the meantime, but it is Invisible Master, the Puppeteers Hidden Power. It's, it's that awesome. one. Okay, yes. And I, I wanted to ask about that um, because so many people say, oh, how do they get everybody coordinated? How do they get everybody to cooperate? How do they direct all of this? And could you just give a short synopsis of what that, how they do that? I mean, I'm you wrote a whole book on it. <laughs> That's a hard I mean, question. How they do what to the, the, the how, how, how they get everybody to work yeah, in unison. Of, first of all, uh, if you control uh, all the industries, if you control uh, the military industrial complex, if you control the TVs, the media, everything, I mean, then you control society. Uh, so they control uh, those people. Uh, and at, at the same time, they, uh, of course, uh, control also much more <laughs> behind the scenes. So it's, uh, that's why, uh, how they do it? Well, there is, uh, of course, uh, the uh, materialistic branch, which is composed of those families, like the one we mentioned earlier, the Rothschilds, for example, the Rockefeller, and many others, who, through the money, the cash, the hard cash, are capable, of course, of doing that control. No, that, that element of putting together everything and controlling also the university. Universities without the money can't go. Uh, and so the money is given by these people to control the university. They control Harvard, they control Georgetown, they control the best universities, they control the secret societies within them, and they control the society that they lead. So then you find yourself in front of John Kerry who decides for your future, telling you rubbish about climate change after he's been... In, in some coffin, skull and bones, t- doing a ritual. Come on. It's, 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 of course, obvious that these people can do everything they want because behind the scenes, of course, they take care of their esoteric inclination, spiritual, whatever. A lot of new age also. Mm. But, but when it comes down to controlling them people, unfortunately, this is a materialistic realm, and so... Ultimately, the control comes through gold, rich, uh, riches, and uh, and that's how it is because they command this. They, they control the banks. So I mean, they they are the ones who create the illusion of cash. 
Cash is an illusion, is a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. They have traded it. And so that's it. That's their magic. That's how they control you. The Babylonian money magic is what I always called that. Yeah, something like that, right? It works, still works. <laughs> we haven't found a, an option. Of course, we could go back to good old exchange of goods between uh, honest citizens without going through that whole thing. But still, of course, we will always go back to find some kind of solution of sorts. And the problem is that they have, of course, now uh, perfection it in a way that they want to go to the next stage. The next stage is the credit score system is the microchip is, is controlling what you consume and dictate what you consume and see when you go to the bathroom what you're bringing out. This is the next level. That is the Arari level of my book, the guy, the philosopher that Klaus Schwab follows, the Sabbatian Frankist Jewish Arari, who is this uh, uh, homosexual guy without anything against homosexual, but uh, this homosexual guy who is a Satanist, who uh, promotes transhumanism to the extent of uh, controlling everything within your body, because for them, that's the future. Having sensors all over you, because the next move is from 5G to 6G, the internet of bodies from the internet of things. And then they start this process of transformation, dehumanization. And that's why we have to stop that. And that's why this book, Volume 7, but then also I will advise you 6.66, which has been my bestseller, which is uh, also the age of cyber Satan, artificial intelligence and robotics. And these books explain you also all the connections between the, the, this uh, uh, electronic uh, digital world and Satanism, but demonology also, the demons that are, have found a new way of pester us through the use of this technology. See, all this technology has been given to us for a reason. I mean, the guy who, who, who put together the, the, the first uh, TV, uh, I think it was called Crocs, it was a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and of the spiritualist societies back then connected to people like uh, that, uh, that were following Alan Kardec. So from the land of the dead, let's say, we, we get this TV. Then the next thing that we get from, from uh, this uh, realm that is, of course, invisible to us, but uh, always present, is, of course, the Internet. The Internet is, uh, is their realm more than is our realm. And so the moment in which they sell us the metaverse, they sell us the cage, which we, we, we will be willingly throwing ourselves in. And we have already partly done because metaverse starts with Facebook and then throws you into the metaverse. Oh. Timothy, are you there? I, know I certainly am. I have a few questions. I mean, you've covered a, a great deal of information ah. topics there. Thank Incredible. Uh, Leo, one of the questions that I'd really like to start off with is presumably when you were in or part of some of these um, organizations, shall I say, uh, have you sworn oaths of secrecy? Yes. yes, yes, of course. I mean, everybody knows there's an oath of secrecy to sworn from going into Freemasonry. There's also other oaths of secrecy to go in other secret societies. 
I uh, fortunately made a decision of breaking all these offs when I was given the eighth degree of the OTO in which I saw they were dealing with human sacrifice. And that was it. I had enough. I said, okay, I'm not going to respect your offs any longer if, if these are bringing me towards what I figure out is against my ethics and my morals. Because no, I, I can totally understand that. So what is the procedure if, if of uh, breaking the oath? Because you're, you said that the Constitution protects right. you where you are in California. But is this organization or these organizations, are, are their networks not international? Yeah. Yes, they're international, but here I have my own uh, protection. Uh, let's say I'm well protected on this side better than I'm, I'm protected on that side. When you say that side, what do you mean globally? Italy. Or? I was living in Rome, which is I the see. home of the beast. I mean, you're talking like uh, you are literally in, in, in the mouth of the lion. I mean, where do you want to be? Okay. Well, uh, it's interesting. I, I think that one of the – another question – I wanted to ask they, a little they, earlier. Is, the, um, see, the Italian Republic is controlled by the mafia. They control mm -hmm. the mafia. And so they throw me in front of a kangaroo court. They wanted to arrest me only for what I wrote in one of my confessions. They want to arrest only because in Italy, there is a law from Mussolini's time that as a journalist or as an author, you can be arrested for what you write. It's a criminal offense, not only a civil offense. So that was it. I had to so, leave the country. So I guess you don't travel so much in Europe anymore. Now I'm waiting for my new American passport. <laughs> yes. Now, there are many strange uh, stories, myths, legends all about uh, surrounding the Vatican. You also mentioned Monte Carlo somewhere I've, I've visited many yeah. times as well because of my, my, uh, my day job. Um, what is the connection between both the Vatican and Monte having Swiss guards? Well, as you know, it's a, it's, it's a Catholic uh, connection. It's a connection that goes in with a family that's been very loyal to the Vatican for, for a long time in that part of the world. Uh, regarding my own personal experience, the Monte Carlo Lodge was the place where I also managed to get in contact with a guy like Paul Casimir Marcinkus, who used to be the head uh, in charge of the Vatican Bank. So uh, this is basically uh, the situation. Uh, the, the Principality of Monaco is definitely a place uh, where uh, uh, the, the P2 Lodge in particular had created, because the Principality of Monaco was dying out, as you know, before Grace Kelly. But, yes. uh, with, uh, but with the Grace Kelly and then the help of the P2, and all the weapon dealers that brought a lot of money in that place, that's how it works. Because in the end, death makes money. And the weapon dealers, you can find them all in the yachts there in Monte Carlo, <laughs> as you know very well. Well, in, uh, in, in Monaco, uh, I understand that to, there is no tax when you're actually in Monaco, if you want yeah, to bring your money. With Monaco, you see the problem putting your money in the bank in Monaco, you don't know if you're going to get back that money. Because That's what I was about to say. Yes, yeah. you can bring it in easily, but you can't take it out so easily. <laughs> kind of like it's a little bit tricky there. But of course, uh, then after my exposure of Freemasonry in the Principality of Monaco, 
they regularized their position. They had a UK law, uh, United Kingdom Lodge of England Lodge there, it used to be Port Hercules Lodge, and then they expanded it into now a Grand Lodge of the Principality of Monaco with several different lodges. And there is actually uh, a Priory of Zion connected to the Principality of Monaco, though a modern one that uh, uh, has this Grand Master called Rigamonti, and they actually had a meeting this uh, the last few days in Milan with various uh, aristocrats and representatives of the Illuminati. So, I mean, these things happen. They are there. They, they, they are uh, a reality. But, uh, of course, they are for the privilege. So I renounce that uh, privilege to denounce them. I'm, <laughs> it's, it's not a... Easy thing, it didn't make me very popular amongst my family, I guess, or other people I didn't really like it so much, but I managed to survive because I persisted. At the moment, like I said, here in California, it's, 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 it's working out for me. So thank you so much for having me on, and thank you so much for uh, uh, this interesting conversation, for your uh, question. I hope that we have a little bit more time uh, the next, uh, for the next show and uh, at disposal because I'm like I said I'm very busy at the moment but uh, when I come back I definitely would like to engage you more in, in, in your interest towards also uh, the Principality of Monaco where Domizio Torrigiani uh, has put, set up also a Knights Templar that is very popular there connected to the local Anglican church. Leo, well, it, it's a pleasure to speak with you, but I have many more questions if you still have time. Will you still I have time unfortunately the don't have that time. I, like I said to your assistant today, unfortunately, uh, that's not possible. But I hope that it will be possible in the future. Well, we'll be, be delighted to have you back. Thank you very much, and, and God bless you guys. Take care. Here's the big word, law. It stands for land, air, water. When you are born and you come into this world, you're born on the land, not the water. That's what the bar operates in. That's their jurisdiction, the jurisdiction of the sea. Okay? Law stands for land, common law. A stands for air, acoustical law, canon law. And W stands for water, which is admiralty maritime law. That's what lawyers are trained in, which is contract law. It's the difference between legal and lawful is legal applies to that which is incorporated, right? Legal persons, which are fictions that are created when we're born. That's what the birth certificate represents, people. Okay? It's very disturbing when you understand that truth. For the other side of the news, my name's Christopher James, and I just wanted to give my full support to these wonderful people who are bringing incredible light forward at this time and moment in our world. The truth has never been more important, and I was incredibly blessed to be with them and share with them enormous truths on our very first interview, and I'm looking forward to coming back and seeing our world finally coming together under one hood, under one understanding that there's truly only one of us, and that there's only love that matters in this world, and this one truth is going to save our world, and I'm so blessed to be able to bring this forward and share this light with my fellow man and woman from this show this evening. So support them all you can moving forward. They're an incredible bunch of people, and Godspeed.
so that's uh, that was Leo. That's amazing. What an incredible amount of information. Also, a lot of uh, books he's written as well. Have you uh, have you been listening to his newsletters at all, Kintia, or reading them? I have. The titles are so catchy. I mean, his experience is so broad. And just listening to him tonight, it was even more so than I had imagined. Definitely worth the deep dive. Anessa, how about you? I mean, there were so many topics we could have gone into. Yeah, I had a very long list of questions. Um, and that was only like just listening to his intro. I kept adding I had read through the titles of his books. He's a very prolific writer, and uh, each one of them was, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, my, my book junkie was hard to control. I wanted to order all of them. It's just, it's very interesting, and the fact that he can speak firsthand, that he's actually been in contact with this thing we hear about all the time, but it's almost like it's mythological, but it's not. It's, it's real. And here's a gentleman who's been in it and can document everything. So it's, I, I find him fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm just amazed that, that he's able to speak so freely um, and write so freely. And yet, from, from what I've learned uh, through life is these organizations are, in fact, widespread. They're international organizations. The network is there. I mean, as you say, everybody is... Uh, sort of hiding behind different levels of uh, understanding. You know, some, some are gatekeepers, some are very proactive, and uh, some are, you know, completely and utterly, uh, what can I say? Well, going into human sacrifice and so on. I mean, that would have been another conversation we could have gone into, but uh, alas, we didn't have enough time today. I think that would be a whole show in and of itself. I mean, all of the... You know, I mean, just the amount of stuff. I didn't really get into the question of the what's in all those esoteric books, and I don't expect it to be able to answer it in a short thing. But, you know, we hear about all these libraries that are all these things under the Vatican. You know, what's really under there? I, I wanted to find out, like, do, is there a whole bunch of stuff under there or has it been released? Or I, I think there's a whole bunch under there. But uh, that's just my theory. <laughs> Or is it a secret weapon? Is, is, is in fact, you know, they, they, they claim to hold a lot of uh, information and use that as a lever to uh, intimidate others. I mean, it, it could be any of the above, couldn't it? Right, it could. I think, I think with what we've got unfolding right now, we may be finding out some of those answers sooner than later, which is pretty exciting. It's also pretty scary because there's a lot of stuff that isn't so pretty about this, but... Um, you know, in, 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 you know, we had that ad with Jordan Maxwell, and I believe that uh, these people have knowledge of all of that quite, you know, they, they may be that exact thing, that, that other race. Um, I think that there's a, a lot of knowledge out there that we, we don't have access to. And so we're living in a time and place where all of a sudden it's getting revealed. And the fact that, like he said about the universities now teaching all the esoteric stuff, Yes. And are they telling the truth? Are they actually telling the real stuff or are they telling some version of it? You know, at like uh, like Richard says, slanted. Right. Mm. We don't know. We don't a know. Emily Dickinson, he says, yes. Yeah. Tell the truth, but tell it slanted. slanted. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. I would like to have asked him uh, what he thinks going on in Italy at the mm. moment. I mean, we've seen there's obviously a widespread problems around Europe and not just Europe, but the government's obviously this uh, Ukrainian variant is uh, 
has brought things to a head. But it wasn't so long ago that the uh, the Italian Prime Minister Draghi resigned right. after a vote of no confidence. Uh, Bojo the clown in the UK, he resigned. I, I, think um, we, I think we can look forward to to Macron probably in a week or so, most likely. That would that yeah. would be good. Yeah, what about I, Trudeau? Oh, I think Trudeau is going to be very soon. I think maybe Macron, maybe the uh, the um, appetizer, and you know, and I also think that about um, from what I'm reading about Australia, which is fascinating. And of course, if we if we have a falling of that in Australia, then New Zealand is not far behind. So we're looking at the five I countries. If if and you then, uh, if you look a little bit more closely at the potential replacements in the UK, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there are four of them, and I think they're all as bad as each other. Um, but I believe all four are also, strangely enough, uh, graduates of the World Economic Forum Young Global Leaders Oh, that's so strange. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Isn't that coincidence? Huh? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think that what's happening is there is a controlled demolition, to use... Uh, to use a familiar term, of the, the governments at the moment around the world, the, the puppet governments, obviously. Um, and in the backdrop, you know, apart from what's happening center stage, you also have the WHO desperately trying to bring in this bill to uh, take full control of a country next time they think it's appropriate to call a pandemic. And there are five, um, I believe there are five uh, qualifying points that uh, if, if a country says, yes, we, we, we score number f- you know, five out of these uh, five points, five out of these five criteria, then yes, indeed, the WHO can take control, full control of, of that particular government. That's if this bill goes through. Now, we talked about it a few weeks ago, Annette, I remember, and you said it was not well received. And I know that there are a number of countries that did not uh, accept it, so it did not go through yet. But I think it's something which is simmering up in, in the background, and uh, I, I don't look forward to it. I don't welcome it, obviously. Uh, but I think if we're not too careful, we may find ourselves with this new bill in place by, and let's say, the fall, the autumn. Well, and, it, uh, it, yeah, it's it's scary. I mean, like, um, you know, I'm here in San Francisco, and they declared uh, monkeypox to be a. Uh, I think it's an epidemic. It was a, I'm not sure which term, you know, their, their terms are interchangeable. And if it doesn't work, they just change the definition. But, you know, we have a health emergency going on. It's like, really? This is a sexually transmitted disease. I, I have heard about this. Yes, I heard about it earlier in the week. I was I listened in on an interview. Um, they were saying that only three of the five criteria criteria had been met. Uh-huh. But what the hell they 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 call it a, a, a emergency state, mm-hmm. all the same. Yeah, yeah three and, is uh, almost that, five, isn't it? <laughs> and you know, I mean, let, let's be real. They're, they're they're saying we want masks on. Well, it's not a respiratory disease, clearly. It's a you know, I mean, without getting too graphic, it, it's it's generally spread between homosexual males. So you get the picture. Uh, wearing a mask won't help you. Okay, so <laughs> n- never would on anything anyway, but. It's particularly not this. So their, their whole narrative is just, you know, I question, well, I, ha- I have an idea about what's going on, but, uh, you know, it certainly isn't, I, I don't even think they're trying trying to go for reality. 
what I do believe is going on is all this stuff is imploding and I don't think it's imploding in the order and in the timing that they wanted. But I do believe that your term of controlled demolition makes sense because they want to bring in, we, we already know their plans about bringing in the, the great reset. And they had a, they had an agenda, they had a plan. They're trying to make that all work, but it's not working because if you take it out of order and you take the timing out of it, it reveals everything. And I think that's what we're watching. I don't think it's 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 not very ordered. I mean, it, there's, there's definitely sort of echelons well, of uh, demolition going on, and I think that, you know, to use famous words, uh, pool building seven. Um, <laughs> I think that they are indeed pulling down certain, yeah, parts well, of the and, plan earlier than than they should. Well, and the banking thing is really interesting. I mean, so. So most most Americans know that we had a uh, announcement uh, the second quarter with a negative um, uh, gross national product. Uh, so we had we had a we have a problem. We have our our domestic product is down, and uh, so we have, we're officially in a recession. Of course, the the Biden uh, White House is saying, well, no, it's not because we're going to change the definition of it, like they've changed everything else. But everybody knows what's going on. And at the same time, we had a three-quarter um, point by basis point on the uh, the interest rates going up, which will kill an economy. I mean, it slows it down. We, I, we've talked about this many times on the show. They can't possibly raise the uh, interest rate high enough. They'd have to raise it 25 percent to get any results on that. So they, but they've only got one tool in their tool bag, and that's to raise interest rates. But what's fascinating to me right now. Is, is on the world stage, typically the what the Federal Reserve does for the U.S., the rest the centralized banks will do around the world. That's not what's happening right now. Um, they've gone back down to zero interest in, in Europe. And, and it may, it's making the dollar very strong. It's all artificial, of course. But suddenly they're not playing follow the leader. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe they're following the uh, the lead of Turkey because the interest rates is, is very very low uh, because mm-hmm. interest is is not seen as a as a, um, a tool which is appropriate for for this particular government regime. Mm-hmm. But in in response to that, they the official inflation rate has now gone over eight zero eighty percent. And some people are sort of, you know, upset about 7%. We're talking about 80% here. Can you imagine what that does to fuel prices, energy prices, food prices, alcohol prices? Well, it's, 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 incre- it's incredible. insane. It's insane. And, and the thing is, so there's only two, two things out there that, you know, if you don't raise interest rates, if, if money's still easy to come by, then the inflation goes crazy. And if you, you know, you, you lose either way on this one. Uh, because obviously this is the collapse of a fiat uh, dollar system. This is what happens at the end. It takes about 50 years. We're at, what, 51? Um, that's what's going on right now. So, you know, we're going to go through this. Um, the other thing, I, I'll say this about, not not to say that, that you're not suffering massively at 80%, because I know you are, <laughs> but uh, we aren't, we don't, every American knows we aren't having 8% uh, inflation. No one is experiencing 8%. Again, it's a redefinition. They, they change everything, how they calculate it. It's, it's, you know, the lying with statistics manual. Um, the same thing. It's going on here. It's, it's way higher. 
Um, but they're telling us it's 8%, but everyone knows it's not. There's nothing that's been only 8%. So, you know, what, what it's showing is, is how much they lie and how willing they are to be deceptive. So I think that's a good thing, actually. Painful. The, quest, the question is, how long can it continue like this? Because, you know, if you get to mm. <laughs> above 100%, then what happens? For the, every, every month, for the last few months in Turkey, it's gone up about 10% a month. Right. Uh, so. I, I mean, I mean, this is, I think this is when, you know, when it, when it becomes a situation where you, you do have revolu- revolutions, you do have people, you know, it's not safe to walk down the street. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not a good time. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, certainly that's pushing it around the around the globe. All these government, all these governments that are falling because the people just can't even survive. Right. Right. Well, and then they're trying their their reset agenda. I mean, you know, the the, the farmers in the Netherlands, and it's spreading all over the place. You know, they're making it very clear what they're trying to do with this great reset, and they they don't want us to have food. They don't. You know. I, I'm not one of them. I don't understand it, but I, I understand what their plans are and I do understand what their stated goal is. And they're serious about it. They want to wipe out, you know, basically 14 out of 15 people about, they don't want us to have any freedom to eat what we want to eat, go where we want to go, do what we want to do. No, no, no. You know, you've got to eat, you know, mealy worms and crickets and, um, you know, th- this is their plan. And so they're planning, they're, they're trying to exercise their plan. And what I believe we're seeing is a acceleration of that plan without any of the subterfuge of having all of the world wars and everything else that they wanted to have going to make it, to, to have cover to stand behind and say, oh, it's, it's, it's because of this. And that's not what we're seeing. What we're seeing is the, the, the blatant manipulation of the, world economic system which everything runs on it doesn't matter what you want to point out uh everything runs on the the banksters so that's what we're seeing it's very very ugly you know one of the things i may add as well is that where i am in south southern turkey at the moment uh the the restaurants are full the hotels are full Mm -hmm. um the house prices are crazy crazy high um so it seems that there are enough people that are prepared to spend these crazy prices at the moment. And yet, with 80% inflation, it, it kind of, uh, it doesn't really make any sense. You would, you, would, you would think that if it was 80% inflation, then people would not have sufficient money to, to go out and spend money every night in, in you know, restaurants and hotels and holidays and car yeah. prices going up and so on and so on. But it, it, it's, it's different. Well, you know, I mean, it is uh, one of the tactics is to create that divide between the classes, um, you know, economic classes, so that divide gets wider and wider. And the and the people that are have less uh, less money, they they are the ones that suffer the most, of course. And they, but I think what you know, if if you look at economics, you look at what's happened, it hits every socioeconomic level eventually. It just it, it, it moves up that scale. And the, I think maybe what you're seeing, Timothy, is those people haven't been hit yet. That doesn't mean it's not coming. Unfortunately for the people on the low end of the scale, it's it's painful for a lot longer. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not saying it goes without yeah. uh, pain. There's an awful lot of people here which are uh, earning below the yeah, the national average. Um, and, you know, traditionally in, in Turkey, there's been a sort of... Uh, 
you know, multiple class systems has been the sort of those with and those without and those without is quite a large number of the, a significant proportion of the population but um yeah it, it's uh it's interesting to see these telltales further again talking about this uh, ukrainian variant as i call it you know again still every day you just see very big expensive cars driving past with russian number plates very big expensive ukrainian cars driving past with, with ukrainian uh, number plates they will park up in the same car parks and the same restaurants and i guess they're having dinner in the same restaurants uh, not sitting out booked at the same table perhaps but you know with such a conflict going on uh, which is drawing so much attention of of the general public and also drawing in so much of the general public's money because mm-hmm. where are these 60 billion dollars going and the, all the money that Boris Johnson is sending and and all the other countries and where is this money going i mean are ukrainians able to go to a bank an atm and draw out you know their proportion of that 60 billion or is it going somewhere else well of course we know the answer that is it's not going to the ukrainian people um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, we they have Zelensky, and I have to say this makes my blood boil. Uh, they have him uh, featured on the digital version of Vogue magazine with his wife. Uh, she's some kind of war hero or something. Anyway, in, in, the, in, in the interview, they basically say, we really don't care how this is making you hurt. Like, so American, Americans are forcibly having money sent over that we could have paid for seven, I think seven or eight uh, border walls along the Southern border for what we've already sent to Ukraine. Mm. Think about that. And, and we're being invaded and we have all kinds of issues over here and Americans are really suffering. Like a lot of people around the world, everybody's suffering different ways, but we have our own, we have our own brand over here. And <coughs> This guy is just basically giving me the big fu in our face. Um, I don't think he's going to last very long. By the way, that that list of of, of uh, dictators that are going to be brought down uh, soon, mm. I believe, and I would definitely add him to the list. And soon, uh, he's he's because he's representing the deep state. The deep state isn't doing well. I mean, you can look at all the different things happening. Um, they can put on all the fronts they want, but they're losing it, you know, nine out of 10 times right now. So it looks ugly and it's going to get ugly. It's going to get worse. But I, overall, I think, you know, we're, we're winning the people. I'm talking about we, as in the people of, of the world are, are going to come out okay on this, but yeah, getting through, it's not easy. Um, but that's, that's my theory. Well, I thought it was interesting as well. Last week, I was listening to a an excerpt from a speech from Putin. I can't remember exactly where it was, um, but it was a, a clip um, from an, an interview I was listening to. And uh, he was talking about um, taking on, basically, uh, and, and cleaning out the the world from the corruption and, and basically the, the deep state. Uh, which is quite quite a bold thing to go out and say uh, so openly when the the West is, is so desperately trying to cover it up and hide what's actually going on. Well, did you hear? Did you hear anything about that one? 
Well, no, I didn't. But, but you know, I've talked about this before. I don't know if I talked about it too much on this show. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the numbers aren't with these people. We, we know that they have the, um, the polls are, are, are tilted and blah, blah, blah. And what we're finding out, and I think Twitter was such a great exposure on this that, you know, oh, there's all these, you know, people out there that, that think this way. No, they don't. Those, those are bots that think that way. And if, if you, you start to look at the actual numbers, case in point, um, Carrie Lake is running for governor of Arizona. And I think she's a, uh, you know, personally, I think she's, she's running on an excellent uh, platform and she's, she's not running on a party platform and, you know, she's got the right idea. Okay. And then she's got a rhino that's running up against her. And they say, oh, it's the media saying, oh, it's a close race. And there's all these people that support her and blah, blah, blah. Well, the truth is that if you look at the actual numbers, uh, it's around, she, Carrie Lake has like 200,000 and this, her other, her competition has 571. So in reality, they'll tell you this, they'll tell you that it's close to the polls are close and stuff, but, but it's not. And so we know that they skew them about 15% at least. <clears throat> so when they came out yesterday and said that Trump uh, or no, Biden had a uh, 19% approval rate from the Hispanic people in this country. What does that really mean? I mean, 19 is really bad. But <laughs> is it 19? I don't think so. And so what they've done is it's, it's basically this, this, you know, they've convinced everybody that somehow you're in the minority for thinking like this. They don't have the support. They don't have the numbers. That's why they can't get their little you know, riots off the ground, because unless they pay their little Antifa, you know, scum buckets, the money, they, they can't get them to show up and do the damage. And they, and, you know, they're running out of money because we know what's going on with all the money laundering, which is where all the money going to Ukraine is going. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's what's going on, I think. And so we're, they're going to have a really hard summer uh, getting all that stuff off the ground because the numbers aren't with them. And I just went all over the country for the last month. And I can tell you, um, no matter where we went, the, the support was huge. And, and, uh, the support was, was these people are charged up and they aren't getting paid off to, you know, to, to burn buildings. So I think part of what we're seeing is, is there's more of we, the people, let's just call it that, like, you know, the, the people themselves, then, then they're ever going to let us know. They, they want to make it sound like there's all these people that support the elite. They don't. So that's my experience. So what's your big take home? I mean, you just obviously spelled out that point, but what's your big take home after your tour? What, what did you come back? What, what was the revelation? What did you, what was your aha moment from, from traveling around? Um, I think I think that we're closer to a good uh, result than it seems. I would say that um, that the people are waking up and more united than they'll ever let you know on any of the media. And part of that we already know because everything is shadow banned and this and that. But you, they can't shadow ban live real humans coming together, you know. Um, and... Uh, People are more open to things that they would have never been open to and never been interested in looking at even a year, a year and a half ago. 
the whole thing that we've gone through in this country with the, the agony of, you know, uh, Biden, oh, Biden there, you know, the, the embarrassment, the agony, all of that, that forced people to look at stuff because, you know, I, I'll, I'll say I totally was upset, okay? Well, on January 20th, 2021, believe me, I was an upset girl, all right? I didn't like what was going on. I couldn't believe what was going on. I didn't see any positive. And I didn't, you know, like it, I kept thinking something was going to happen. Something was going to change. This couldn't possibly be the outcome. Um, and But it didn't. And now I realize that the reason it didn't is because there, nothing wakes people up like the experiential, yeah, experiencing it, like the experiential thing of, of actually going through something whatever it is, whether it be um, a political thing, uh, the lack of freedom, the, the censorship, and now the economics. Economics affects everybody. There's no one who gets to escape the economics. It might not hit everybody at the same time. It might not be the same situation. It, it most assuredly is not. But everybody doesn't like what's going on with the economics. It's not political. It's apolitical. And so... I, what I see out there in the in the world is that there were there's more united and there's more the percentages of the people and that and they're activating and not everybody's as tired as I am right now for example I've been at this a long time so I'm kind of tired but some people are just waking up they have a lot of energy they have a lot of energy so I think those people may take take you know take over and, and lead the charge at this point. That's be my so, so momentum is building. Is what your message? Yeah, momentum is building. It's building quickly, and I think we're we're about to have major revelations. From what I'm, and I I I had the privilege of being kind of on some inside stuff where I heard some information that that maybe not everybody can access and. They're feeling this way very strongly. So I think we're we're looking at a very interesting August. Uh, we're looking at a very interesting next four to six weeks, uh, probably. And now, you know, we're in a war. So you can't say it's absolutely four to six weeks. The probability looks like that. It could be different. But I think we're going to see some really interesting revelations come forward and, and some truth bombs. And it's going to be to the point that, that even the person who really doesn't want to look at this and doesn't want to deal with it is still going to deal with it. They're going to have to. Maybe I mean, it's, so. it's big I stuff. Can't. Big stuff, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what I'd say out of all that, out of, you know, doing the whole Can country, literally. <laughs> it seems seems there are a lot of people making prophecies. I mean, there always are many people making prophecies, but a lot of, lot more people, I think, are coming to the surface now making prophecies of the next uh, three to six months. I mean, it, it's not hard to do that because, you know, if, if you see what's going on with your eyes open, we've been doing this show for, what, two and a half years, I yeah, guess, yeah. two and a mm -hmm. half, just under two and a half years. And we've been sort of spelling it out, what we think is going to happen. Uh, and a lot of it is happening, but as you say, it, it's not happening according to the plan. Um, there are a, a lot of uh, obstacles that come up, and I think, you know, people like the we talked before the Canadian truckers and the Dutch farmers and the surprise events 
things that people have just sort of stood up and they are changing the, the trajectory. And I think that, that's exciting to see. It's warming to feel as well. But uh, Kintia, do you have any... Do you have anything you'd like to bring to the table in terms of prophecies or things that you're following? Well, I I actually was thinking about something else which isn't exactly prophecies, but this question about the occult and the battle of good and evil and devil, the Satan and God and all of this, I was reflecting on that today and I was thinking, you know, we each have different vocabularies. And while some people may not resonate with the word God because they may find it limiting to them and others find it expanding, I think we can all relate to vibration or a resonance. Like when you hear music, there's a certain frequency resonance. And when you distill certain emotions or or states of consciousness, it comes back to certain fields of resonance. So for one who their vocabulary is Jesus and God and and biblical terms, I find that to be just as valid as someone else who's talking about light body or uh, consciousness expanding. It's... um, I'm I'm looking at how this has all been a big, it could be divisive and it can also be unifying. In other words, we're, all, we're talking about we're one humanity and yet you have different uh, groups that have a sense of how things are going to happen, prophecy, biblical prophecy, or remote viewers, or <laughs> psychics, or however you want to phrase it, there is a sense of bringing in information from another dimension, from a a more expanded sense of self. It's a quantum kind of knowing rather than a book learning. And I think we're at the precipice now where we each individually are questioning, well, really what is real for us because we look at things that we've been taught and we're learning oh that was a lie (laughs) oh this isn't true oh that isn't true so we're at a point now where I believe that the species is at that point where we're stepping into an awareness of our multidimensional self and whether you say God is within or Humanity is one or consciousness is, you know, there's the morphogenetic fields of consciousness, which again is a blending of consciousness. This is a question where each of us are are at the precipice of choosing our own personal and collective universe. In other words... Someone may be experiencing the universe in in a way that things are unfolding and we're going to break free to great freedom and life is going to be good. And the neighbor right next door could be living on the same block, experiencing the exact opposite, that we're going into slavery and we're going to be surrendered to 
we're going to become robots and, you know, automatons. And, and I think the deciding factor is how we are dialing in that consciousness, that frequency, that resonance. And so, you know, sometimes I hear people criticizing a, a prophecy because, oh, they're using the word Jesus. Oh, they're using the word blah, blah, blah. That some scientists will, and then I see other scientists who are totally for it, and I think, I think it's very limiting. I think it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater, frankly, to not see what is the common element that permeates each person's reality. That in the core of your own being, you take a breath. There's a sense of who you are. There's something deeper when all the stories are quiet when all the drama is quiet when you're sitting quiet for a moment there's a deeper sense of who you are and however whatever language you want to use whatever way you want to use it if if you are true to that like leo was he responded to that he he went against what his lineage you know, his biological lineage and his training was because he was responding to that core being of who he is, a deeper sense of who he is. And I think we're getting caught up too much with this verbiage, with these word uh, battles about whether it's real or it isn't real because, oh, if it's if it's uh, spiritual, is it real? Well, or so if it's quantum, is it real? Well, science is actually demonstrating that there are quantum realities. And I think right now, for me personally, it's about dialing in deep within myself. What is my personal truth? And each of us have to ask that. What is your personal truth? And while it's nice to hear all these theories from everyone, basically you're going to live your life by what you, by what we, by what I believe is my core truth. That's how I'm going to live my life. And I think we're at a time where there's a lot of distractions going on. You know, politics is like this, seesaw back and forth up down up down the yo-yo up down up down up down and i think that when we're dialing our consciousness to being uh when we're tracking so much this yo-yo and we are not tracking that still quiet voice within then then we can easily be manipulated. But if when we're dialing in that core being of who we are down in our gut, that truth, whatever word you want to give it, then I don't think we're as susceptible to all that propaganda. And I think what's happening is humanity as a whole is opening up to that quantum reality. And for some, it's, it's, you know, having a baptism and, and going down the Christian path. For others, it might be going deeper into their Islamic faith. For others, it might be going into their Hindu faith. But it's about connecting to our spiritual core. And so 
you know, that's that's what I'm seeing. I'm just listening to all these different prophecies and all these news reports, and it's like a big mishmash salad kaleidoscope. And, you know, if you try to pin yourself on any element of that kaleidoscope, you're just going to be tumbling and tumbling. But when when I focus in on what's my core truth, what what do I feel really in my gut? I am convinced we are in for good times. We're in a birth canal. I'm convinced that life is expanding and that the benevolent consciousness Light dispels shadows. I don't care how dark the shadows are. Light, a matchstick, will easily dispel a shadow. And so that's what I'm clinging to. That's what drives me. That's what gives uh, meaning to each act I do. That's why I do this show. It's as simple as that. You know, it's like time to use our voice there you go <laughs> that was that was an answer there you go that was uh that was you on your soapbox there we go okay i i don't agree with you in some right. ways but on the other hand i do agree with you in some ways as well uh, i think that the i noticed you say Islam, you say Christianity, you say Hinduism, for example, you're talking about belief systems, you're talking about a faith system. And in my opinion, those systems, while of course they can be seen as positive, they can be seen as benevolent, um, they also create wars, they also create destruction, they also create um, separate people, separate people that, you know, even are then used to fight each other or to battle each other or to, um, you know, it's, it's just making black and white. It's, it's, it's making a difference. It's a divide. It, it can be used as a dividing tool by somebody who feels inspired to do so. So my question is, and again, I'm going right to a very extreme example here. But my question is, why are those belief systems or faith systems actually necessary? If, if the person, if the individual, the soul, the consciousness of that person, whatever you want to define that person as, if they are illuminated, if, they are, if their radar is switched on, if they are connected, if they are independent, if they are truly an individual, then why do they need the kindergarten gloves of a faith system? Why can they not just expose themselves to the entire universe or to the energies or frequencies, whatever it is you want to talk about in the universe? Why, why do they need this? Um, it, it's, it's almost like, a, um, what can I say? It, it's almost like a pair of gloves instead of actually just exposing yourself to the, the full reality of, of what is in our existence. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up, although I would say the word need is, again, a filter. I think that 
there are many ways to for one to have self-realization. And one of the paths is devotion. And those religions can be unifying. They can be separating, yes, but they can also be unifying. And they provide an octave of devotion. Not, not all of us are meant to be uh, leaders in that. We all have different uh, qualities of being. So you hear the model of the, the sheeps and the wolves or the farmers and the, the hunters, the leaders and the, those who maintain society. We, we each have a role in the universe, so to speak. Even in your DNA, each cell has a specific focus role. So to think that this universe that is so vast and has so many aspects of creation should all be trying to go through the same door is kind of absurd. And I, I totally get what you're saying about why can't you just walk through it? Well, I would say that's one path, but it's not the only path. And it doesn't mean that I need to put down another path. I would say that, you know, when I've looked in the Bible or I've looked in the Quran, I saw a lot of things that were very unifying. Now, of course, these sacred texts from around the world, they've all been in many ways manipulated. So you have to you have to dial in. Well, what is what is what is the true interpretation for you? Because you could take one passage and have a hundred different interpretations of it. So I'd like to say something to that point too. And that is that, yeah, this whole thing with uh, the division with religion, well, look at who created religions and then look at how they're using it to divide the people. And you'll find very rapidly, again, it's the people that we were discussing earlier this evening. There's a control factor here. As an individual, you can either choose to buy into that or not. It's the same thing with the patriot movement. So I see a lot of that. I see a lot of people that have egos. Or a lot of uh, there's a. Lot, I think there's a lot of infiltration right now. Uh, some patriots are attacking others. That's stupid. The, I'll, I'll say right now that my opinion, and it's more than an opinion. I think that that's dumb to have that happening because what we need to do is is unify. So what I found out, uh, like being out on the road, um, it didn't matter what religion somebody was. It doesn't matter what background they came from. It doesn't matter if they used to be a, a Democrat or they're lifelong Republican or they never were politically involved or whatever. It doesn't matter because the point is, is at this point in our world, we need to unify and, it, and need to recognize who has been causing the division and how they've been manipulating it. So Religion can be used to unify people, or it can be used to divide people. I, I, I grew up in a, in a unified situation, but then I got thrown into a very divisive one. So uh, I think you know, we need to look at how it's being used and how you're allowing it to be used. Because it, be, you know, it could be very supportive for certain individuals. Or if it becomes a dogma, if it's just a dogma that's something that I, I'm a Catholic because I was born in a Catholic family and I went to Catholic school and therefore I'm a Catholic. Well, that doesn't explain why you're a Catholic, okay? That's dogma. 
that's what I call the sorority sister answer because it's the because answer. If that's your only answer, then it's not good enough. And if you have something that you believe in enough that you can't openly discuss it and have a, uh, uh, discussion with someone who doesn't necessarily see your viewpoint, then you've got dogma. You don't have belief. You have dogma. That's what I think. So I, 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 would, that makes I sense. would agree with that. It's like, it's... I think it goes, it, it's, it's, a like, for example, I, I have always felt that I have a, from the time I was a child, I have a relationship with Jesus, but I never have been like a church goer uh, into the dogma, but I certainly have resonated with the words that I've heard as they've been reported to have come from this being called Jesus. And I see a very big difference between feeling spiritually activated rather than being controlled by some dogma, because there are many things in the dogma that I don't resonate with at all. So I think it comes down to a very personal, that's why I say it's a personal reality creation. It's a very personal experience. Who can tell you why you love someone? There's The dogma won't cover that. But if you love something that you feel is a, a symbol for, a representation of the highest octave of love that you can, that you're aware of in this mortal coil, let's say, okay, then that's useful. That's useful. I'm, I'm going to bring us back to our, our guest. I wish he was on longer, but um, some of the questions I had lined up for him were absolutely about the Vatican, Vatican State. And I think it's just interesting to to cut a section through some of the points. The, the audience hall in the Vatican, and some of you guys may want to look on the search engine and just click you know, Vatican audience hall, click images, and you'll suddenly be quite surprised, I think, unless you've already seen it. It is uh, an architectural wonder, absolutely. But it's this huge room which is so obviously uh, influenced or styled by the the shape of a cobra's head. And that if that's not enough, you think, well, why, why on earth would that be a symbol that the Vatican would want to use, uh, especially the interface with the, the audience, the public. And then if you look at it from an aerial shot, you can see it's not just a mistake from the inside, it also looks like a cobra's head from the outside. So there's something very specific going on there. Somebody must have specifically said, design me a building or talk to an architect, design a, create a building which embodies the energy or the symbolism of a cobra's head. Then... At the back of the stage, the frieze, uh, where there is an image of or a 3D sculpture of, of Jesus, and I believe it's Jesus anyway, and some others. But I mean, this absolutely looks like some scene from a horror movie. It looks literally like the set of a horror movie from, you know, somebody going into a different dimension or going into what somebody may perceive as hell, for example. And... I think that's a very odd image to have as a backdrop to the Pope 
when he comes and talks and meets the audience. So what, what I'm trying to say very quickly is there's a huge amount of inversion with religions. And I understand what you're saying, Kinti, about having your personal, your personal relationship with, with you know, your perception of Jesus or God or your belief system. I say sister, I don't mean it in a patronizing way, but I mean your, your belief, your faith. I understand you have a very personal relationship and you know i respect that it's your 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 business your choice it's not mine uh but in the same way as with pythagoras's theorem we can find the third angle of a triangle but if we know the first two the dogma does drive an awful lot of people who are not quite awake yet to go through the motions of let's say ritual or, or elements of religion and it kind of narrows down the choice to the third angle Pythagoras's third angle of people think they're free to make a free choice but in fact they're not because if you know the two angles the triangle the third one is is inevitable so if people are indoctrinated with with ritual and I'm talking ritual from various religions then they may feel that they're free to make their choice but in fact their choice is really quite narrow about how they may make their decisions in life, go through life. They become more predictable. And this, this concept I'm trying to explain, it's very early here, so maybe I'm not doing a good job of it, but this is, is almost like a, a controlling factor I see on societies around the world, which I think is very limiting. And that's one of the things one of the reasons why I wish that everybody would make their own independent and uh, personal decision about what they believe in instead of following a program. Well, and I would say, though, that having a personal relationship doesn't necessarily mean you're following a program. It's a relationship. Okay, it's a relationship, but then, for example, you mentioned before religious texts, for example, the Bible. The Bible, uh, actually, and that's you did, sorry. Um, the Bible is something which has been so highly edited and even sections cut out and other sections put in. Uh, it, it's been manipulated so many times, and that was probably before even King James got his hands on it. Uh, or is allegedly getting his hands on it. But I mean, in there, that's what I mean. There is a program. There is there is a a program which is set out in words, and people, when they are young, often read it word for word. They read it with reverence. They read it with respect. And yes, may, maybe it can be a positive influence on some people. But equally, as I say, it introduces a dogma, a ritual, it introduces a, a, a logical path, which some people who, if they're not aware, may be doing things all the way through their life until they suddenly wake up and think, my goodness, yeah, that's where that program comes from. That's where that idea comes from. And I, I just think that that is, that is not an independent way of, of thinking, free way of thinking. But that's, that's the case with everything. I mean, if you grow up, and 
in your family, I mean, this is an old, you know, an old analogy, but if you grow up and in, in, in grandma's pot roast recipe always says you cut off the, the knuckle bone and it's very important to do so and you do this and you do that and it's all there. And eventually oh, someone questions that several generations down the road and they say, oh, why do we do this? Well, it turns out that grandma's, you know, roasting pan was too short and that's why that was done. Okay. So we grow up with all these things like this is how you do this. This is how you do that. And at some point you may or may not uh, grow out of that. You may or may not question that. I find it really interesting. I, I just spent some time with my mom and I, you know, that's, that's its whole another story, but you know, I'm, I'm observing all these things that she does that I don't see the same way. I really don't. And, and I know I grew up with these things like this, but I don't see it the same way anymore. I'm, I have gone past those points. So, but not, you know, in religion, people may or may not. And so I, I don't, I don't necessarily see it as limiting or bad. I see it as a starting point and people can either get off the starting block or they can't, you know? Uh, but in and of itself, that's not what's holding them back. They actually are making those choices, each person individually. Well, and I would say also that many who who uh, do not uh, choose to have some particular mainstream religion, who are like purely science-based, they, they have their own, I could even call myself there, um, that... <clears throat> Just because you say you don't believe in a religion, you just believe in science, well, you know, that's a priesthood of its own, which is of course it all is. the time. Of course yeah. it is. Yeah. I mean, science is a religion. It's very selective. It's very limiting. I agree. And that's why I think, again, once again, it's so important to, to think independently, is, is, is to question everything, and especially in this world we're in today where there's so much inversion going on. So it, to go back to one of your points, Kintia, I think that, yes, the world is awakening. And I think that it's, it's unstoppable. And I think perhaps the, the inversion could indeed be the, maybe the, uh, some of the last barriers that negative forces are trying to put our way to try and, you know, keep a grip on us. So, mm -hmm. as you say, Annette, maybe big surprises are around the corner, probably some ugly surprises are around the corner, but I think ultimately there will be some light at the end of the tunnel. I think there's going to be big light at yeah, the end of the tunnel, but I think that getting there is, uh, depending on what you know now and where you are with this, um, depends on how ugly you view it. I mean, some people that are dead ass asleep, they're going to have pretty rude awakening out of their, their slumber. Uh, that's a fact. But, you know, we all have to go through it. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I would also add that in terms of, of personal evolution, that each of us as a consciousness is not in the same, um, for lack of words, grade. <laughs> you know, just because someone's in kindergarten doesn't mean one day they won't be a PhD, but you can't expect the one who is just starting off on their journey to be at the same level of consciousness as someone who's been actively pursuing it all their life. And I no, think I, that... 
I don't agree with you there. I think I think if there is such a thing as universal universal consciousness, then I think we all have equal potential to reach the highest level from the first step. I agree that we have equal potential, but we don't exactly do it in just a single jump. But that's why we I'm coming back as, to we live in a time reality. I think well, time time is a created constraint. So I don't know. We all view it differently. <laughs> and we're out of it. So let's close. Despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth, you will see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, artists, activists, healers, and innovators who are wide awake and are already making great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream and social media propaganda, to make your own independent research and to stop acquiescing and stand up for what you believe with respect to others. Remember, you are born with power and you wake up each day with power. It is entirely up to you how you choose to retain or give it away. You've been listening to another live broadcast of The Other Side of the News. This 107th edition is entitled Holy Shit and remains available at www.theothersideofthenews.com. My name is Timothy Saunders, and together with Kinti and Annette Driscoll, offer special thanks to our guest, Leo Leon Zagami, our guest contributors, and our sound engineer, Keith Morgan. We wish you all a very positive week, and look forward to reconnecting with you next Friday. Good night. <laughs>